The following program is paid for by Little John Financial Services. The opinions and views expressed may not reflect those of Brook Communications, its affiliates, or its employees. This is KQEN Local Talk at 4. Every weekday, News Radio 1240 KQEN brings you local information at 4 o'clock. Now it's True Wealth, presented by Little John Financial Services. Here is David Littlejohn with True Wealth on News Radio 1240 KQEN. All right, gang, we're not even waiting for the music today. We're straight into it because we got so much to talk about on the show. I'm your host, Dave Littlejohn. Welcome to the greatest Tuesday you've had all week and the True Wealth Show. Joining me in studio, Mr. Matt Dixon. Matt. Yes. Man, don't look. At the markets today. I'll can put on I, the horse blinders. I right. I mean, not even the horse blinders. I think at this point, it's time to tell investors, maybe don't open your statements. Oh, yeah. No, I think if you want to sleep tonight, do that. Right. Don't go check the, don't check them. I know this is sort of like saying, don't push the red button. And then you now just everyone, are dying to yeah. push the button, right? Yep. Uh, I'll spare you the misery and just say, it was messy ugly cry kind of day in the market. We haven't used the term bloodbath in a while. Yeah, like, it was a bloodbath. Okay. <laughs> it was. Um, and before you freak out, first I'm going to remind you, there are two kinds of people in the stock market, right? There are those that are renting and those that are buying. Mm. Or we'll say there are those that are investors versus those that are traders. Okay? Yep. If you're a trader, today is going to drive you bananas. If you are an investor today, should be looking like an opportunity. Sure. Okay. And very simply put, uh, when you see the S and P 500 fall by 2.81 percent, and that's like on the coattails of losses and it's been like four weeks of losses. Yeah. We're now officially down like 10, 12 percent year to date. Mm-hmm. Okay. But if you look back to the start of 2021, it doesn't look so bad. Yes, it does. I'm not even going to apologize for that one. You know what? I'm going to go bring this up because let's see what was. Let's see, let's see what the starting value was of 2021. So I'm going to go back to 0101 2021. Okay. And let's go ahead and apply this. I'm just looking in Yahoo here. And it sure looks to me like we started that year with a value of, it opened at S&P 3,764. The high watermark of that uh, particular day was 38.26. So just call it 38. Yeah, so that's about 300 points. So we're about 6% higher than we were at the beginning of 2021. So it's not great. It's a bloodbath. It's bloodbath. Uh, We, of course, saw markets peaked at the end of 2022 after the S&P had a fantastic year, Mm -hmm. right? You know, peaked almost at 5,000, you know, it was up to 4,800. So now it's fallen by more than 600 points. So it's given up uh, more than half the distance between the start of 2021 and the peak of 2021, right? So we're riding this thing, and and we're now lower than where we were uh, back on March 7th, or I'm sorry, yeah, March 7th, which I believe was the day of the invasion for Russia going into Ukraine. That kind of tipped things off a little bit. It really did. Now, we didn't hit the intraday low, okay? And that's an interesting academic discussion because, you know, the markets trade all day long. And so the value isn't just the last price of the day. It traded above and below that all day long, too. And so mm-hmm. it got lower than that. Well, on the 7th of March, during Invasion Day, it went way down. In fact, the, I think it was 4,114.65. And that 
I'm pretty sure is maybe 0.64, but I'm pretty sure that's like within a penny of the number because I published it on a chart on purpose and I've referenced back to it a bunch of times that that was the low mark of the day in the middle of day trading. It closed higher than that, but we're now below 4,200 on the S&P and we're working our way down to that previous mark. And if you're a technical analyst, you're watching very, very closely because if the market goes below that level, what it says is, Whatever was going on back then, where investors decided that was the pri the time to buy, mm -hmm. and when they and, bought, they, and I then mean, they bought, really and then the markets went higher, right? But since then, something has changed, and they believe the price is no longer as attractive as it was back then. So then the question is, how far back are we going to roll the savings? Right? It's Walmart mm -hmm. time. Roll back the prices. <laughs> <laughs> and so only it's not a happy face bouncing around; it's a sad face. Yeah. Right? Oh, but what's man. interesting is though is the PE ratios have really rolled back. Like we we talked about that today during our meeting. The PE ratios have right. really come down quite what, a ways. When you say that for our listeners, unpack that a price little bit. Price to earnings. So the price, price you have earnings. to pay for one dollar of earnings. Okay, yeah, perfect. And and yeah, so we I mean we saw price to earnings ratios of the S and P five hundred, and this is sort of the average of everything. Mm -hmm. The S and P was trading at over a thirty multiple. The PE ratio was more than thirty. Right. Okay, today that number is like twenty-one, right? And that twenty-one, I mean, we haven't seen that since what? What was what was the year like? Twenty eighteen. Yeah. So I mean, it's maybe even twenty sixteen. Four years. Yeah, depending on which version, you know, if you look at the Price Schiller earnings ratio metric, it's a different metric. This sort of inflation adjusted. Uh, so the market's averaging around what was it? Twenty-one. You said twenty-one right now, which is back to two. So we're basically back to two thousand sixteen levels, mm -hmm. depending. So between two thousand sixteen and two thousand eighteen, depending on which uh, index you want to utilize, the just traditional, simple, straightforward PE ratio. 2016. Doesn't that put some perspective, though, on companies like Tesla and their P.E. ratios? What well, yeah, it didn't have a P.E. ratio back then, right? There right. was no earnings yeah. in 2016. Right. And right. now the P.E. ratio is just, I think we looked at it today. It was, oh, I'm not going to quote it on air, but I think it was like. I can look it up. I think it was like 200. Um, or, let's find out here. Let's yeah. see. It Tesla. is huge. Is price to earnings ratio 178.82. Yeah, 178. So just just so everybody's aware, Tesla got shellacked today. Oh yeah, shellacked. Wasn't it like a 12 percent pullback or something? 12.18 percent. Yeah, and it's down a little bit more. It felt. It, remember, this is a stock that the high water mark for the year so far, if I'm reading this correctly, got to 1,243 dollars and 49 cents. The low of the year was 546. And some change, but currently trading at eight seventy four fifty in aftermarket trading. Mm -hmm. So, when we say shellacking, I mean it was a hundred and twenty some odd dollar loss in that stock today, twelve over twelve percent. Just to give you some perspective, the S and P five hundred is, is recently been downgraded. So, like analysts are, are not in agreement. Historically, the S and P five hundred averaged twelve percent per year. Mm -hmm. And Tesla just went down 12% in a day. Wow, that is some perspective. Okay, shellacking. Mm -hmm. Okay, that is just a beatdown of epic proportion. And it's there may be more to go. Which brings us back to what you were talking about. Are you an investor or are you a trader? Right. Like, Do you look at this as a buying opportunity or do you 
run. Yeah. Well, and that's, or do tough. you look at the most dangerous thing of all, which is the 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 cocktail? This is probably the worst cocktail out there. Which is, what if I could sell it? And then buy it back lower. And then it runs away from you and you never get a chance to buy it back. Right. Yeah. And, and so this is the story of people that get out of the markets insisting that they're going to crash and then they don't from there. Mm-hmm. And so th- this you really do need to get into discipline in your decision making. OK, uh, we are currently communicating. Now I'm going to I'm going to give a little insight to all of you listeners, not everybody who's listening is a customer of our firm. That's okay. Some of you out there listening, you are. And so this is kind of for you, but I have to say it's not investment advice. But I'm just telling you, this is how our investment committee has been approaching this, is when Tesla gets destroyed in a day, okay, the question is, do you sell or do you try to buy more? What do you do? Well, I would ask you, David, do you want to own Tesla two years from now? Right. And that's really the frame up, right? The first thing is, do you still believe that if you walked in today with the information that you know right now, mm-hmm. would you be a buyer of Tesla? After their last earnings report, I mean, their earnings were great. Their, I mean, their sales were at all time highs, I believe. Right. So just it's to like, give you an idea, last year, so let's go to quarterlies, in fact. Let's look yeah, at the quarterly a revenue. Look. That's a better one. Yeah. So last quarter in, in Q4, Seventeen point seven two billion of revenue, earnings of two point three two billion. The prior these are these by the way according to Yahoo Finance these are free resources you can go check these we're not using mm-hmm. something sneaky here. Uh, the the Q three of last year thirteen point seven six eight billion in revenue or sorry sorry thirteen point seven six billion, earnings was one point six billion one point six two so it went from one point six two to two point three two. Right now, we're looking for the next report to come through with earnings, and we're expecting revenue to be higher, mm-hmm. but earnings to potentially start to flatten out a little bit. Why? That's partly due to inflation. Well, the yeah, the revenue's way high. because yeah. Tesla's selling only their high-end cars. Right, they're selling the mm-hmm. most expensive ones because if you can only get a limited number of chips, you might as well make maximum profit. Sell the, the most expensive thing, and because of scarcity now, mm-hmm. people want cars, but you can't even get them. Right, no. go try to buy a car right now. You could wait months to get what you want if you can get it at all. Yeah, I mean, we went by the lot today and ghost it, town. Yeah, right. I it's, didn't see one new lot on the or one new vehicle on the lot. Yeah, it's really a really wild time in the marketplace because of the supply disruption. So that lack of availability of the microprocessors and chips that go into the vehicle's computer systems has led to rationing even amongst the manufacturers. So sell the most expensive vehicles, highest revenue, right? But all the input costs are higher because of inflation too. So we're seeing margin compression. We've I talked feel, about that I, too. Yeah, I feel like this ties back to our show like two weeks ago on stagflation, right? Sure, like sure. This, this really wraps into that. And if you missed that one, it was a pretty good one. Yeah. So go which, back to the podcast. Which you can check those out. Speaking of podcasts, I'll tell you what we should do. I'm looking at the clock. We're, uh, we should probably grab our, our first break. If we do that, then one, you get a chance to go grab that podcast so you can look, queue it up. Mm-hmm. And then when we come back, it'll be seamless. We'll pick up right where we left off. Because we're talking about, great, now we've got this information about what the market's doing. How are we going to respond as investors? Stick around and we'll be talking about that. This is Dave Littlejohn and Matt Dixon. You got True Wealth on News Radio 93.9 FM, 1240 KQEN.
This is KQEN Local Talk at 4 on News Radio 939 FM and 1240 KQEN. All right, I think that is the signal that we are back, Matt. Okay. All right, and if you guys have missed the uh, beginning to this thing, check it out. It's going to be available at the podcast, right? So that is five. Let's see. You can get the podcast at well, littlejohnfs.com. Mm-hmm. And we haven't reconfigured the website yet. It's on the pathway here. But for now, you have to play detective. There is a category in there called the educate tab, right? Educate so like, yourself. And you get on your seat, littlejohnfs.com. And under educate, then you can find all those podcasts. So good place to start. Uh, you know, here's the thing for investors that I think uh, I, w- I want to talk a little bit about. Like the market has shown us some things that are implied in the data. This is not necessarily think outside of the box data, but it's maybe look at the data a little different data than you would have otherwise naturally considered it, right? Uh, One of the things that we discussed earlier was the idea of the price to earnings ratio Mm -hmm. for like the index and and what's happened here. But there's another interesting one. If uh, we look at markets as an example, I'm gonna gonna look at uh, indices here and if we look at one month trends, some of the biggest declines, Russell 2000 down 11.37%, Russell 1000 down 108 So some of those smaller companies. Yeah, so yeah. over 10% for the Russell, the 2000 is over 11%, S&P down 9.85. Now that's interesting to me. And then when we get to the Dow, right? The Dow is uh, it's down but not nearly as much. It's down 5.82 over the last month. Mm -hmm. Now, why would the Dow be down a little less than 6%, S&P a little less than 10? And then the NASDAQ is probably, oh The NASDAQ is just beat up. Yeah, Uh, all those blue chip tech companies just So the NASDAQ is down 14.5%. Right, with the Dow only down six. And so even more than the Russell 2000. So what is going on and, and what is implied there? Well, what are you seeing? So let's talk about a few of these things. Okay. First of all, the highest cap weighting, right? Now, what do I mean by cap weighting? The market capitalization. So. Right. So market capitalization, that's the size of the company. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so market capitalization is probably not uh, super accurate, by the way. But the idea is take the price of the share times the number of shares outstanding. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if you have a $100 stock and it's got a million shares outstanding, then that's a $100 million company. Well, when talking about market cap, don't like five companies make up like 25% of the S&P's total it's, market it's, I cap? I don't think it's quite that exotic, but you're, you're getting to something or, that matters. Yeah, right. I think this is your angle here. A little bit, yes. Okay. What happens with the S&P is different than the Dow. The Dow's 30 stocks. The S&P, I think, is 506. Mm-hmm. So if the Dow is 30 stocks and it's not dropping as much, but we know that the market capitalization, these are the mega cap stocks, right? So the Dow is the 30 sector leaders, mm-hmm. and they're all big companies. So you're basically saying that these bigger companies are holding up the rest of the S&P, right? It, yes. They're sort of propping it up because... What we know about the Russell 1000 and 2000 is that's the small and mid caps. Mm-hmm. Well, they're down more than the Dow, a lot more. 
So the small and mid cap companies. So if you take the big players off the table and just look at the market without the big names, it's like you guys are getting blistered, right up. That's the issue: is that if you look at the Dow as your gauge of the markets, you might think that they're healthier than they really are Mm -hmm. because the Dow is not representative of the total market. Right. That's a good point. Yeah. If you look at the S and P five hundred you might still be tempted to think, well, it's not so bad. I mean, yeah, it's down 10%. I mean, that's a correction territory there. But, you know, it's only 10%. But then you were to look at, if you own stocks and you looked at your individual holdings and they were more Russell 2000 type stocks, mm-hmm. you could be off by 15, 20, 25%. Easily, yeah. Right? And if you're in specific tech names, you could be off from your peaks. Like, We've seen January losses in some of the the really big winners of last year. The 2021's biggest winners are 2022's biggest losers. Yeah, like 40%, 50%. Yeah, just, again, the term shellacking. Okay, that's it. Like, so Tesla, when it falls from over over 1,200 to below 900, that's like a 30% decline. And not too long ago, wasn't it like 775, like 800? It did get down that low. It got lower than that. It got down to about 700 during the initial Ukraine right. crisis. So, and, and for fair disclosure, I'm not advising you all to do this, but just fair disclosure, Tesla's a position that's in our portfolio. It wasn't before. I've been I've, t- I've said this on the radio before that so and, and that's not a recommendation. Remember, that's not for every one of our clients. It's for clients that it meets the right risk tolerance, mm-hmm. but it is something that we picked up uh, during the last dip. I'm happy to report we're still positive in Tesla, even after the shellacking. Mm-hmm. But it sure hurts to see because that was a big winner for us. And now when you lose the big winners, it stops hiding the other ones. <laughs> so yeah. uh, the the reality, though, is the market is sort of showing us that underneath these really big names, there's a lot more pain in this market already. Right. I think that that's both good and bad. Okay. Now, Matt, you are newer to this industry. Absolutely. Some very interesting things occurred in this market during the mid 2010 to 20 era. Okay. Okay. So, if we were, were coming out of the, the, so here's the backdrop for all of our listeners to kind of remember. And uh, I'm going to, paint with a roller on this one. Not super specific, just big, wide strokes here. The First of all, it was after the 2008 market collapse. We had the TARP program, which was the first version of quantitative easing, or uh, it was a lending program to banks. Right. It was an $800 billion loan program to struggling banks, many of whom had to take it. Right, it was not really an option. The Federal Reserve said, "You're taking this money, and by the way, you're taking covenants with it. You're going to do the behaviors that we tell you to do." Hmm. So it was an interesting. It was like a control play, almost. Yes. Yeah. Right. Uh, so not a lot of option in that one, but nevertheless, that was the initial system shock. Now, Europe struggled more than the United States did, even with the real estate collapse that we experienced. It was pretty ugly, but we saw what was at the time the acronym was the Pigs. Portugal, India, Ireland, Greece, and Spain. Pigs, mm-hmm. right? These were all companies that were financially on the verge of defaulting on their sovereign debt. 
Which Greece did default. Greece it? actually did. Greece, yeah. they so then the European Union came in and sort of had a structured bailout for Greece with terms, right? It's again, well, here's the government loan that you're going to get, and you will do it the way we say. Hmm. And that created a whole mess, and that was around 2011 or 12. And then we also saw the United States come out with quantitative easing and the various asset purchases of the Federal Reserve. And that's sort of when the money printing started. Okay? okay, and it was subtle until 2020 when COVID ramped everything up to 11, and then we printed 80 percent of our currency in two years. I don't know if it was it 80 percent. I just checked it out. It was at 75, and then I read another article. 80 percent of the currency in it circulation existed. in the last two years. Was well, that the printed currency in circulation, or is that like the currency in existence, like the M2 money supply? I think it's the currency that's in. Circulation. Yeah, we think I, I think so too. I think the yeah. M two money supply has gone nuclear. Yeah. Right. And so, if you think about th- that whole process, yeah, you can't right? print that much money and expect inflation to not do anything. Yeah. Well, that's just the the consequence of now. We've been doing this for a long time. We've been pulling a lot of you know strings. But but what happened in the markets? We actually didn't see an economic collapse in the stock market. And this is what I wanted people to realize is folks are maybe out there looking for the markets to just roll over and collapse. Mm -hmm. That's not what we saw from 2011, 12, 13, all the way up until 2020. There were pullbacks, right? Mm -hmm. Then there were sideways periods where, you know, 2018 and 19 were pretty marginal years. Mm -hmm. 17 was a fairly marginal year, as I recall. Um, And so there were a lot of times when the stock market would drift higher, but the returns were not awesome. They were acceptable, but they were these sort of fits and spits, right? They'd go up a little bit, then it would come back down a little bit. And what happened to the underlying markets was you saw this strange rotation where assets would They'd go through cascades of correction. Like first, it'd be like utility stocks would correct, and then another section of the market would correct, and then another section. And it's as if the money just worked its way through the system. And we talked about, and this was when I say the royal we, right? I, I'm um, involved with another advisor group, mm-hmm. and I've been sort of having coaching and training and consulting for years that I've been engaged with. And I remember discussing with the groups about how we have in fact seen a rolling market correction or even a rolling bear market that you didn't ever see because the whole market didn't go down at the same time. It was just parts of the market were in failure while other parts propped it up. So the major indexes looked like they were holding up when the underlying churn of those assets was in fact correcting. Kind of like what we're seeing right right now. I mean, if you have a stock that's already down 40% today, are you expecting it to go down another 40% because the stock market has to fail. The stock market is a market of stocks, mm-hmm. right? So if your stock has already failed, what if it's already on sale? Right. Because the market anticipated this, and so it priced in catastrophe. And what you're waiting for is the catastrophe of the entire market when it's not happening that way. It's working its way through the system. And I, I believe that one could make the academic case that we see less and less total system collapse than we used to because we're getting a lot better at pricing things in and because markets price things in a lot faster than they used to. Mm-hmm. Information is traveling yeah. a, a lot faster. Well, and because we have so many institutions now that are indexing, mm-hmm. so many, 
right? Indexing is, t is proliferated to the point that these large indexes that are held by institutional investors sort of provide a lot of ballast for the total market. So you don't necessarily get huge moves. Position moves, yeah. Yeah, and, and if you do, it's because indexes are being uh, recomposed, right? Oh, uh, you know, that was an argument that Facebook, when it went down, Meta, whatever we call it now, that there were some people that were re-indexing at an institutional level and they changed the position allocations. And so if you reduce the position allocation to Meta, again, Facebook, and, and all of a sudden there's 30% less universal demand for the stock than there was previously because the indexes don't need to own it. Mm -hmm. That will completely change the valuation dynamic because you completely change the supply and demand curve because the demand was just sucked right out of there. Yeah. Okay. Now, do that on a case-by-case -case basis across the market. It's just, it's why you need to have really catastrophic systemic things. The last time we saw that was the COVID shutdowns when we said, we're going to turn the economy off for a while. Right. Now what we're seeing is, I mean, like, is it a surprise that supply chains are broken? Not when you look at Shanghai. Not when you look at anything. It's not yeah. like this snuck up on us. We've yeah. had two years of this. This isn't tiptoeing around in the backyard. This no. is knocking at the front door. We know exactly. It, we were, it was scheduled for us. Mm -hmm. right? We were literally like we were told, like, oh, see you at 5 o'clock tonight. It, like, like, it's here. We knew. And we've known. I mean, yeah. It's we've known for a like while. It's not like this was hard to price in. Like, hello. The question is, how long will it persist and will we get new stuff? Right? And, and yeah, there is new stuff. Uh, like this China thing, which I suppose... Well, I'm looking at the clock. We should probably take a break. Okay. Right? So if we do that, we'll come back and let's talk about the China thing. If you don't know what I'm talking about, just hang out because it's totally relevant and the market doesn't know what to do with it yet. So maybe we can unpack it. Stick okay. around. We'll be right back. This is Dave Littlejohn. And Matt Dixon. And you're listening to True Wealth on News Radio 93.9 FM and 1240 KQEN. This is KQEN Local Talk at 4 on News Radio 93.9 FM and 1240 KQEN. All right, gang, welcome back to the True Wealth Radio Show. Dave Littlejohn in studio with Matt Dixon. All right, Matt. Okay. We were talking about the China thing. Oh, yeah. Robotic dogs, drones, the whole nine yards. The whole nine yards. And so people are probably like, what the heck are these guys talking about? Yeah, well, I mean, if but you don't know, you should you should look it up and watch the videos because there are videos going around of Shanghai, which is three times the size of New York City, and people are locked down in quarantine. Yeah, major like their the cars aren't on the streets. You can't go to the grocery store. Um, you have to have the food and water delivered to your house, and if you leave. There's robotic dogs with speakers on there telling you to get back in your house, wash your hands, stay masked up because right. there is a zero COVID policy. Yeah, and if you, and if you have COVID. symptom, if you have a symptom, they take you out of your home and they take you someplace to treat you. Yeah. We don't even know what that. What does that mean? Means. Yeah. Right now. So they are on full blown like alert. So does this like put the conspiracy hat on you? Like where you start like churning where you're like, okay, well, like it why does, would it does for me? Because like, think about it. Right. So China, 
their shipping costs are five times higher to ship um, a cargo um, container across the the ocean right now. So, and air is doubled in shipping costs. So why would you sacrifice your economy if it's if it's COVID? I it's, stuff isn't lining up, right? Like I I agree that this is communist This is China. one of those when what that what you're told it is and what it actually is they don't make intuitive sense to no. me this seems very heavy-handed and so it makes me suspicious about is there something else that we're not being told but that's i have yeah who knows just, what that is it, that's rumors and conjectures and you know <laughs> literally this is how rumors get started so i'm not trying to start rumors it's just it's a puzzler to me mm-hmm. and i will admit to having some real uh i'll just i have trust issues with a lot of media resources right now. And and it's because there's so much of it that seems to be more editorial than informational, mm-hmm. right? And so that has me just going, huh. So anyway. Um, that could get us into the weeds. Yeah, cool. that often does get That's us into That's a whole weeds. radio show in and of itself. Agreed. So yeah, as, as we look at all of this, uh, it, but it, it is a real thing to consider, and why? Because we talked about we talked about supply chains. Well, supply chains, and what has the market priced in, and what hasn't it, right? And I could almost argue that it hasn't priced in. I don't think it. I don't think it has the China yet. debacle. Like, if if China were to cascade into a more aggressive nationwide lockdown, mm-hmm. uh, where where we essentially saw the the you know manufacturing shortages go from. Uh, severe to just disastrous, we would have a, a real problem on our hands. Uh, you know, all of a sudden there's some preppers out there going, I told you. Yeah. Right? Oh, 100%. And, and so it's really, really interesting to see how that is going down. Um, I oftentimes pause and I say, whose best interest is this in at the end? Right. Or why? Right. Okay. And I don't often understand the why. I don't understand what motivates everybody. Because, uh, you know, maybe there's just a little bit more natural altruism. I'm not saying, like, I'm a good guy, but I don't think I'm, like, evil by default. Like, I just assume we all succeed. I don't have to put step on somebody else for me to succeed. I think we can all get in the boat together and row. That's a different attitude than some have, I suppose. Yeah. So I'm not sure how the market has priced that in. I just... Or if it is priced it in, I mean, it's possible that there's a lot more pain to come, and we are we're sort of out. Of, we're between a rock and a hard place now in terms of policy, uh, because we've kind of played our cards. Is that what you're yeah, saying? Yeah, we like, really have. You're, I, mean, there, I don't see this. I don't see a way to square this deal up when people are saying things like, like, let me give an example. And okay. yeah, this is a total kick the, you know, shoot the messenger kind of example or whatever. It's it's going to be a political hot button. I okay. know it will. Well. But on the one hand, we have people saying, let's forgive student debt. Okay, mm-hmm. We're just going to forgive student debt. Just wipe it away. It's like it never existed. And there are some people that will just cheer about that. Most of those people have student debt, by the uh, way. Yeah, yeah. right. The people that don't have student debt or the people that – and there's, there's a few types in that category, right? There's the type that says, I never got student debt because I couldn't afford it. Okay, so they made life choices that didn't include student debt. Mm-hmm. You have people that um, had student debt, but they paid for it. Yep. Or you have students that didn't have student debt, but their 
parents paid for it, right? So all of the people that made choices that involve paying off the loans or not taking them are essentially being disenfranchised when everybody else is given Mm -hmm. the loans, right? The other is the colleges themselves that have priced things in such a way that it requires student loans. Yeah. And now you're saying to them, well, who cares about sharpening your pencil to make sure the college provides a good return on investment that makes the student capable of paying the student loan, right? We don't need any accountability on that end either. So that's sloppy because that's how money printing works. And and I see this systemically in our country. People that say like, hey, we have federal matching dollars, and so we need to go ahead and raise some money so that we can get a project done. The federal government operates in the whole. Mm-hmm. Those grant dollars aren't dollars. That, I mean, they're borrowed dollars. You're just yeah. saying the government has taken out the loan, and if they just print the money, all they did was contribute to the inflation cycle. Right? So we have supply saying, chain disruption and printing and money no makes more inflation. Lunch, David? There is never a free lunch. Oh. You can't give away the store on the one end while simultaneously raising interest rates on the other end and think that it will work out. It won't create stability. We're, we're going to reach this threshold where you know unemployment's like below 4%, almost below 3%. You, you're going to tell businesses, like, you have to pay, and this is my phone, too, a minimum wage. You know, it's just going to be, you know, got to pay $30 an hour to get somebody to work at Taco Bell. And no, no, like I like Taco Bell. I'm not, I'm not hating on them. Don't get me wrong. But if you have to pay that much at Taco Bell, you're not going to have what used to be the fifty nine seventy nine ninety nine value menu, right? Or the you're not your, going to have yeah. the dollar seventy nine taco the, anymore. You're going to have the five dollar taco. And I feel like those at days twenty five dollar. You have the twenty five dollar value meal for the thirty dollar. Like if you ever pay attention to this ratio, right? Look at how much somebody can earn at the restaurant, and about an hour's worth of work, it takes about two-thirds of an hour to buy a value meal. Like, I've never, I, I, it just, it's just, I've never done the study, but I'll bet you if we did that study, everywhere but like Kentucky Fried Chicken, that would be pretty close to true. Yeah. For some reason, KFC is always like double what everybody else is. Always. Yeah, I don't know how they manage that either, but that's a separate issue. So think about like, great, we'll just raise the minimum wage, but everything in your life will cost more. That is inflation, by the way. That's that's happening. Okay, so now we have to raise interest rates, which means, oh, if you want to buy stuff, you know what it's going to do? Well, raising interest rates actually doesn't make things more expensive. It makes things cheaper, except for what? The loans to buy them. Mm-hmm. Like, why would real estate go down if interest rates went up? Because you can't borrow as much, so you don't you can't yeah. afford as much house. <laughs> your payment is limited by your access to capital. It's a real thing. Yeah. So if we see rates go up to fifteen percent for mortgages, which has happened before in history, but a fifteen percent mortgage would mean that your million dollar house is probably more like a five hundred thousand dollar house. Yeah. Right. That's 50% decrease in real estate values. And everybody says, I'd be buying it up like crazy. I said, yeah, except that you'd have to also pay 15%. Mm-hmm. So everybody's getting hammered on that deal. right? So there is no free lunch, for sure. Okay? No, there's really not. Now, because of that, I don't think it's in China's best interest 
to shut down everything. And because of that, it makes me suspicious. Because why would you shut down one of your major ports that drives up your cost of everything that keeps you internationally competitive when you're a net exporter? So you're cutting off your money stream. And I just scratch my head and think, why would you do that? And it doesn't seem like COVID's the answer to me. No. And I don't know what else it would be. I'm just going, the data doesn't line up the way I would expect. And you know what blows my mind is how little media coverage we're really getting on that, right? Like, that's a huge deal. And, yeah, there's articles floating around out there, but it's not like headline, frontline news. Yeah, and it's interesting. I don't know what the headline, frontline news is anymore, but COVID went away real quick. It did. Here domestically. And then it became all about Ukraine. Mm-hmm. And now Ukraine is just kind of the news cycle. And so I'm trying to figure out what the next thing was. I mean, there's been politics in Florida and stuff like that. But it's interesting to see what's the next thing going to be that is the media darling for a little while. And it's kind of been the Elon Twitter thing. Right it now. really kind of has. You know, and, and that's been an interesting debate, too. Let me tell you. Do you got any like thoughts on that that you want to throw on air and just here's here's my okay. my uh, Elon Musk oh, Twitter theories my, and uh, you just want me to say it, don't you? I do. I want right, you to right, open look. up a large can of worms. Okay, when we'll, we get back from this radio, we'll take break. a break. Right, okay. we'll take a break on the last one. If, if Matt can talk me into it, I'll share my foil hat theory on Twitter. Going to do it for the listeners. <laughs> All right, stick around. We'll be right back. This is Dave Littlejohn. And Matt Dixon. And you got True Wealth on News Radio 93.9 FM and 1240 KQEN. This is KQEN Local Talk at 4. On News Radio 93.9 FM and 1240 KQEN. Are we on? Hi. Oh, okay. All right. We better yeah. be. Push the button. We're live. Welcome back to the True Wealth Radio Show. Dave Littlejohn in studio with Matt Dixon. And Matt? Yep. Are you foil hatting it? Is that yeah, the story? Yeah, well, and I'm kind of like dangling the, the carrot out in front of you. Like, come on, take the bait, David. <laughs> you do this, right? I do. Um, we were talking about Twitter, and uh, it's it's funny because you know you know what does it mean? And uh, what, well, the question is is really why did Elon buy it in the first place, right? Like, are you really going to go spend all of that money just so that you can own Twitter, right? right? So, like, what is the ulterior motive here? Like, why does he want it? Right. And yeah. So, and that was let's, kind of my thing. It's like what what billionaire says, you know, what I need is just another side project. In the exactly. name of freedom, yeah. Because right? because um, I think that you know Elon's not banned on Twitter. No, they let him say what, and you yeah. know they're not even really. Uh, the idea of like Twitter stock would probably tank on its own if they lifetime banned Elon for something. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I just wonder. don't feel like you go spend billions of dollars to acquire a company where it's like, how do you really make money, Twitter? Yeah. So here's my f- sort of foil hat theory. And it's based on Twitter not being what maybe we initially think it is, right? Or it's, what it could become. I, that's more about that, right? And okay. this is just, again, me going down too many rabbit trails. But one of the things that Elon has done is he has used Twitter as a platform 
to communicate. And there's no secret that Elon is really interested in cryptocurrency. Yeah. Right? I mean, we saw what he did with Dogecoin. Yep. And he also, Tesla owns like a one, and a half, one and a half billion or something yeah. worth of Bitcoin. Mm hmm. Okay, or maybe more than that. They've made money on their Bitcoin purchase, right? So they bought a, a billion dollars, and it went up to you know 1.7 billion or something. So they've got a huge stake in Bitcoin, and I wonder if how could Twitter so get it, like so because you when you first asked me, Matt, as you yeah. said, well, sh you know, you think that Twitter's like the stock play, and I said, but if it's going private, mm -hmm. then the stock is not going to be on the exchange anymore, right? So shareholders are getting bought out, it's going private, and then what? And just because the stock goes private doesn't mean all the Twitter accounts disappear or anything like that. It's a huge platform that's an international communication platform, right? Yep. So what happens if, if Twitter ends up creating its own version of a blockchain? And that blockchain mm. then becomes an infrastructure for other things to happen. You have this massive- so like, like a landing spot for NFTs. Is that kind of- So not necessarily just that. You know, okay. Keep in mind, a blockchain is just a way to secure lots of different types of information so right? be, and transactional information. So if he's pushing this freedom thing, so this would be like a way that you can kind of trust the technology itself there may be the a way to do that and and so just the same way there's bitcoin and there's ethereum and there's a bunch of other types of tokens that go with uh blockchain so like ether is what goes with ethereum, ethereum. right mm -hmm. that's the blockchain but if twitter created its own blockchain service with its own blockchain token currency like a bitcoin or mm -hmm. something and it has this massive following through which you could distribute. I mean, keep in mind, Facebook tried to create their own cryptocurrency at one time. How did that go for them? Well, I, I don't know that ever materialized, but they right. were working on it. But Twitter's a very interesting, even if it's a marketing tool mm. to drive people to a new currency. And I don't know that that's what's going to happen. Uh, what I'm just convinced is that blockchain technology and the cryptography that comes with it and the decentralized management of a blockchain is something that's really interesting. And if you think about Elon Musk's play of saying, I want this to be a free speech environment. If you were to then put on a blockchain, Twitter. Twitter coin, how about so, that? <laughs> so, I mean, whatever it may be, yeah. but if you were to then do that and say, well, Twitter isn't actually who curates the information. We the people do, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's now distributed. Oh, it's a very interesting play to say, well, look, we've actually we value free speech. This is how we're doing it. This is power to the See, people. Ah, this is the people's yeah. coin. It's a pathway to a potential crypto environment. Free yes. speech with a blockchain. Right. Ah. So that's where I think and I might be totally foil hat. I could be totally wrong on this stuff. I'm just it's I'm just reading the tea theorize. leaves. I'm yeah. like, look at the. Look at the way the case has been set up, right? This is sort of the circumstantial evidence indicates this as a probable outcome. could be totally wrong. I don't have all the data. It's just interesting to see that and how it's being played out. Yeah. The same way I go, it's interesting to see what's going on in China. And I'm like, it just seems too heavy handed. Again, I don't want to be 
known as the conspiracy theory guy. That's not my point. You're just trying to find I'm just what are the angles say, behind what's actually happening. Well, so when I do stock market analysis, I do something that's a little untraditional. I start with technical analysis first. Okay. Okay. This is not readily accepted by people. Most analysts will say that's hocus pocus. But I don't end with technical analysis. I start with it saying, show me the trends at play here and, and the interplay of what's going on in the marketplace. Then show me all the fundamental data associated with it. And let me see which narrative explains best what I see happening. Mm -hmm. And then I'm fitting, I'm using that data to explain what I just saw. It's reverse data fitting. It's like the most probable story rather than me trying to conjure a story in my mind and then find and then data fit, to support it. Yeah. Right. So it's, it's a way to try to stay a little more honest with my interpretation. It's also why I can say that while, while I see like, you know, potential for as much as a 10% downside to the markets at large right now, I don't see like 40%, right? Because it does, it's not explained in any of the numbers right now. Things would really have to change. It doesn't mean it couldn't happen. Mm -hmm. Just saying the numbers don't say that to me, and I don't know how they will unless lots of data shifts. So anyway, that whole thing is the same story of, well, given the circumstance, what might it explain to us? Right? And then you're just theorizing, and then you get new information, and you kind of update your theories, and some of them you throw away as, huh, that was comedy. And Twitter may just be Twitter. Yeah. Right? Maybe they just come up with a, a little bit more transparent way to manage speech and, or you know, what you say, and that's that. Right? It's a different social ranking system for doing it different than everybody else has tried. Could be that simple. Bring and back make the advertising money. Yeah. Bring back the MySpace days of actual social ranking. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? But, you know... Uh, or maybe it's just open source algos, where you can they'll say, well, here's how Twitter works, and if you know how to work it really well, you win. Hmm. Right? I mean, it, it gets back to, like, either you have a really good idea or you're really good looking, because that's kind of how social media started. <laughs> yeah. And it's probably the other way around. You're either really good looking or you have a good idea. But anyway, so I have to rely on lots of good ideas. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, what if people need some advice on what to do? Because we talked about it. Things are dicey right now. The market was a bloodbath. If people are feeling anxious, what should they do? Yeah. So rule number one, keep your emotions in check. Okay. okay. And if you can't do that and hear the music or we're the end of the show here, I would suggest get a pro to step in and help you because they tend to be more objective and they can help you balance the emotions and separate fact from fiction. So I would go with that. If you don't have that pro, give us a call at 541-375-0898. All right. You can also send an email or go to the web. It's uh, info at littlejohnfs.com. Uh, but we're out of time. So thanks for joining us. Until next time, this has been David Littlejohn. And Matt Dixon. The preceding program was paid for by Little John Financial Services. The opinions and views expressed may not reflect those of Brook Communications, its affiliates, or its employees.